Welcome to Good Christian People, an honest conversation between church leaders who recognize we're not perfect, we're barely good, but we want to be great. On today's episode, Tim reveals his favorite brand of eggnog, Josie explains the economics of the McRib, and together we address the reality of God's love in our final week of Advent. Hey everybody, welcome back to Good Christian People, the podcast, episode 18, Dicciato. My name is Jeff, over there is Tim, across from us is Josie, and uh, you are checking out pretty much, I think, the greatest podcast of all time. For real? Yeah, I mean, not if you're going by like listeners, uh, in listener count, or reviews on anywhere, but in terms of just cultural appeal, oh, gotcha. I think we're nailing it. Okay. Yep. So this it's is good ex- to have pride. Somebody's got to. Yeah. It is December fourteenth. This is a very big day in our country for multiple reasons. This is when the whole country goes to college. Why? The oh, electoral, electoral co- co- uh, state. Man. Come on, Ooh, play along. That's an edit. Play along. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> is that not what you were talking about? Well, no, it was. It was part of it. When when is that supposed to take place? It's taking place right now. Yeah, right it's now. happening. It's like all day. Got it. All day. Because they used to actually get together, like send their reps to a central location and make a whole right whole thing big about, deal it. about it. But I'm yeah. guessing it's all on and, Zoom this and year. And the so. rules were: it's the first Monday after the second Wednesday in December. Sure. I feel like there are some things that we could probably change that were established during times that are not reflecting current times a lot, like daylight savings time. Your thoughts on that? Keep her, keep her go. What, daylight savings time? Yeah. I don't care. It doesn't affect me it at all. It doesn't affect you? No, because I'm up at the same time every day, all day anyway. You're so. a farmer. No. No, but I mean like you're farmer-esque. I'm like a, I have farmer tan. Exactly. That's summer. where I was heading sure. with it. Yeah. I'm just, I'm still looking. I I, uh, decide, I like fake news, so I looked up CNN was the first place I looked to just to see <laughs> who is voting for who, but... I guess um, I wonder what the outcome's going to be. Right, that like they they haven't been able to um, convince anybody to actually go against the popular vote of the state yet, right? There, are, yeah, there are rules against that. But we need to protect the Constitution. There aren't though. But there there are there but are laws not... that some states have to recall their electors if right. they go against. But there's nothing actually preventing them from. You can, they can get punished. They can get fined. They can get in some hard and in feathered. some states. Yeah, I don't know. Putting the stocks. This is, I mean, it, it's weird to me that we have to have an election after the election to determine what the first election determined. Yeah. And then they have to send those to the Congress to be read and counted for the Congress to then go, okay, we agree, which is like, whatever. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be some fireworks there. Uh, we'll talk about all this in a little bit. But no, but yeah, that's December 14th. That's happening. But something else major happened today, and it's wild. The first vaccines have gone out. Yeah, they're on for, the trucks, right? Yeah. In fact, they they said a, a, a critical care nurse in New York was the first person to get one. Nice. Good for and her. I have a, a video of her of her doing that. Uh, so that's that's exciting. I mean, it's, it's exciting. And at the same time, we live in a uh, kind of a police state in which our... 
Our county? Executive has uh, closed restaurants as of Wednesday. But there's something I didn't put on the uh, on the show notes that, Josie, I want you to talk about for a second. You were supposed to talk about it. Everybody hold your breath. Last week. And I said, save it for the podcast because it was really interesting and fun. And then we never brought it up. But the McRib is back. Are you now a you McRib eater? Us. No. Um, it's, it's gross. <laughs> yeah? I haven't, I haven't had a McRib since, uh, you know, early 90s probably when I was a kid. And so I, I don't. I don't, I don't even know what one tastes like at this point. In time. I I've never had one before. It's just a I mean, it's from just what I, formed meat, right? Yeah, it, but it's like globs. I don't know it. The reason why Jeff wanted to hold this for the podcast was um, because I was reading some liberal rag. Not liberal rag. Just like <laughs> I don't even know if it was even like if any of this is even supported by news publishers. But there's this theory yeah. <laughs> that the McRib is an indicator of economic recession. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. So like. Uh, it McDonald's, if you track the pork usage or the prices of bulk pork uh, against like the, the, the times of the McRib, the McRib always comes back whenever pork has a massive drop in price, which is usually a sign of like an economic hard t- hardship. So we should short the market. I did, I, did they have a, a portion of the McRib? Was the McRib in the big short in the movie? Like as soon as you see the big sh- the the oh. McRib short the market like bet no. against go for it yeah. no. No. no 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 so this is just you and your blogs your conspiracy blogs yeah <laughs> conspiracy you're on parlor right no oh okay you strike me as someone who definitely wouldn't be on parlor so anyway let's move on um anybody heard anything about the monoliths no they're showing up everywhere now where every everywhere it's just because people are making them Copycats. now putting them yeah the new york times i saw two days ago even had something that said uh here's how to make one yeah so they're showing you how to should make we one put now. one out in front of the church i think we should I mean, why not i think we should do two and do like you talked about last week do the cross cross beams yeah. crossbars sure Anyway, all right. So here's the deal: we we you just mentioned killing time and talking too long, and that has sort of been something that I feel like once we got out of the political discussion, we sort of started doing like this opening stuff where we're just talking like normal human beings seems to be growing and getting longer. And our buddy Brandon, I, he's sort of become our podcast historian oh. because he told me the other day he listens to our episodes. At least twice. Oh, man. I know. I'm like, one of our hosts doesn't listen to them at all. Yeah, so he makes up for me. Yeah. And so he was just saying how he, at first he was like, man, you guys are going on and on and on. And Josiah's grandmother is going to be so mad that you aren't like talking about something serious. And then I wrote it back. And that was, that was after the peace episode dropped. So it was last week. And I said, dude, you think that's bad? Wait. Till next week. Wait till the joy episode because I think we talked for like half an hour before we talked about Oof. anything really substantive. Oof. I mean, it was, but it was still fun to listen to, and like I like it. And we do have some people who said they enjoy it. So if and he said, I don't care what any twins say about this. You guys keep doing what you do. You're putting yourself out there. This is your brand, and you go for it. He's you like, do you. You do you, boo boo. And I'm like, yeah, Brandon, and stop calling me boo boo. I asked you to stop calling me boo boo, but he. Yeah, anyway. I got a pig in a basket. Munyogi. And he very much was like, this works. This works. And I'm like, I'm glad you feel that way, Brandon. He's an encourager. 
So this could be terrible. If you think this is terrible, good Christian pod. Mostly we just want to hear from you. And we also got, I also got an, uh, a text from our buddy Hanneken who was on our fourth episode. I feel like every time we talk about him, I'm going to remind us that he was on our fourth episode because I basically want people to remember that we at one point had guests. We're working on it for 21. We are working on it. I'm trying oh. to I'm trying to light a fire under Mr. Jeff oh, over here. Oh, yeah. All right. I'll come back to that. But Hanneken sent a text. He had listened to it and just a few days ago said, keep up the bit where Tim is like, I don't listen. I'm like, no, it's not a bit. You're very serious. <laughs> you think this is a joke? No. <laughs> now, no. why don't you listen to us? I don't know. I don't. I just don't have. I don't find the time. I don't find the time. What are you doing? It's quarantine. Everyone has time. Okay. You got a little baby. Put her in a bumper and like throw around or whatever yeah, they do. Sure. Yeah. A little. I almost called it a juggler. I was like, I probably not have a juggler yeah. for a baby. Just go right for the jugular. Yeah. Yeah. What's what's happening in Council Bluffs? Council Bluffs. Has anybody emailed us? No. Yeah. However, Council Bluffs, you have single-handedly surpassed the entire state of Virginia. Nobody in Council Bluffs knows who we are. I, I don't it, understand it is what this is. Internet anomaly. Somebody's using a VPN through Council Bluffs. It's like a digital version of Monolith. You know what a VPN is? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. Just double-checking. Very personal number. Correct. Yep. And uh, and so they, uh, apparently, Council Bluffs, we, we you are... <laughs> Council Bluffs, the city, the town, has surpassed all other states nice. in listenership aside Except from, from Maryland. Maryland. Nice. They're not close on Maryland. But CB, are you with me, Council oh, Bluffs? Yeah, Council Bluffs. I mean, seriously, would somebody just email us and tell us what's going on? Brandon was like, you guys talk about Council Bluffs too much. I'm like, no. All right, here's what I want to do. I, you have on the list to talk about Ravi Zacharias mm-hmm. as a follow-up to our lament before. And I'm, I have yeah. not heard anything about him, so I'm very interested to know. Why you want to bring it up again? I'm excited about this. Okay. I really am. So this is sort of a reverse lament. Okay. Okay. When we lamented a couple weeks back, a couple months, I guess now at this point, some uh, some news had come out, allegations, allegations yeah. uh, about sexual misconduct and things uh, that he had done. Um, the Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, the organization, they came out just a few days ago and basically said, we're opening up investigations into this. We're going to make restitution to the people who have been victimized. And we are going to re-examine and look at overhauling um, how we do some things Mm. in order to, they they said they came out and acknowledged we have lost trust. We have, we have hurt our standing and our witness and we need to rebuild. When did they come out with that? day or two ago right, I mean, so, just a few days ago yeah i'd be interested to know what well and this is my cynical attitude right yeah no, i'm glad i'm glad I'm, I'm with you i think all of us need to take hard looks at different things and i'm glad that they're willing to do that my question would be is this possibly a response to um a, <laughs> a very low level of giving that they've gotten over the last month or so. Like I, I still, sure. I have not like, I, I mean, I still value their resources, right? Sure. So I'm still on the email list for our Zim 
And, you know, I got the, uh, you know, the Cyber Monday is coming up and, Cy- you know, or, or Giving Tuesday, excuse me, Giving right. Tuesday's coming up, Giving Tuesday's coming up, giving, and then on Giving Tuesday, it was like, hey, send us money. And now you're saying, hey, we're going to reinvest, reevaluate. I wonder if people are like, we're not giving to you. You're completely silent on this issue. Are, like, has their giving gone down? I have no idea. Okay. I mean, I, I don't know their books, but I, yeah, they okay. have not said a thing. From like to your mm-hmm. point, months, months, and they haven't said a thing. It's interesting, and I bet you, I would guess that nobody's giving you that ministry until they just say Work what they need to out. say, do what they need to do. Yeah. Well, and I wondered too, was Ravi so much the face of everything? It's the that whole him, ministry is right. Ravi Zacharias International Ministry. That if he's gone, then do they? Can they move forward? I think they'd have to rebrand. And I think that's kind of what they're looking at doing. Yeah. And so we'll, you know, but. You're cynical. I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I, correct. But, but I'm whether, glad, whether but or not it's birthed out of the right motives, at least they seem to be wanting to do the right thing, and that's the way that an organization in the midst of this should correct. be handling things. Yep. And then I just want to say this. I don't understand Giving Tuesday. I, no, it's just a glom on to everything well, else. Here's it. So on Thanksgiving, we give thanks for all the things that we have, and we say, God, we're content. And then we go spend a ton of money on Friday. Friday, And then Cyber Monday. Cyber Monday, we have no money left. And then mm-hmm. is it Giving Tuesday or is it Giving? Giving Tuesday. Giving Tuesday. And yeah. then what's the local one? Is that Wednesday? I have no idea. There's I've a, never local heard of a local too. one too. But it, t- it seems to me that the giving one is like, why do you put yourself all the way at the end when we yeah. have no money? Put your hands out when, yeah, sure. I, I don't know, man. I, I know there's the, I've known churches that get involved in Giving Tuesday and just about every ministry that I support that <laughs> gets involved oh, yeah. in Giving Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get a ton of emails. I thought about I actually put out a video uh, for, on our church's social on Tuesday because we had coming up our Worship Wednesday broadcast right. or something like that. And I thought about you know making something some sort of joke about saying, hey, it's Giving Tuesday, but we don't want you to give you any. You know, don't mm-hmm. give us anything. Just watch. But yeah. I thought, you know what? I just I'm so tired of hearing the phrase giving Tuesday. So. Yeah. Yep. You should be giving. Right. Shouldn't day. you have live generously all the time and not wait until giving Tuesday to give money? Yeah. Who knows? So it is December 14th. And being that it is basically election day number two, uh, there is something before we jump into Advent talk that we need to discuss. So there was something that happened this past week. And as much as I don't want to, we need to kind of jump back into politics for Are a minute. Are you sure? Am I sure I don't want to do this? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm sure I don't want to do this, but I I'm, okay. I'm, I'm feel pretty confident. Sure we you need, need to. to. You're sure we need to. So this past weekend on the National Mall, there was a rally of Christians, and I'll go ahead and call them what they are, Christian nationalists, uh, called the Jericho March. <laughs> you familiar with this at all? I looked it up a little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a rally that was put on uh, by a man who said he had a vision from God that all of these Christians were going to get together. And the idea of the Jericho March is Which was that, Eric Metaxas, right? I don't think he was the guy who had it, but he was like the MC of the whole Got thing. It. Okay. And so Metaxas was there, and it was a bunch of Christians that had just were blending a love of country and a love of Jesus, uh, primarily in 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 a form of a love for Trump and uh, just the things that I heard and that were said, the things that I kind of saw from this really were pretty disturbing. And there has been a call for Christian leaders to basically denounce this from Um, just pretty much, I mean, other 
Christians that I revere that are like, look, the time for Christians to just sort of sit back and act like this is no big deal. No, we need to we need to kind of step up at this point because this whole thing is rooted in I don't know if you're following because you know you don't you don't like politics a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I I don't you know I thought about it the other day. I don't think I've turned on cable news since the election was decided. Yeah, good for you. Oh. Uh, I don't, I mean, yeah, we're just, yeah, haven't, haven't been. So, I'm, so now I'm, you're just in the cesspool of Twitter. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> but, so that's the thing, is that we may say something that's a little off in terms of, I'm sure someone would be like, no, your your information isn't correct. It may be. Yeah. Uh, but I know what I read and I know what I saw. Yeah. And basically Texas sued a whole bunch of states to try to say, no, no, we want Trump to win. We're not happy that he, that your state went this way. And we think it was all fraudulent. And you know, I don't understand. In 2016, when President Trump won and mm-hmm. beat Hillary Clinton, the Electoral College was the savior of the day because she won the popular vote. Mm-hmm. But uh, conservatives and Republicans were saying, "No, no, 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 no!" But the Electoral College, the Electoral College, this is what our forefathers did, and they were smart in doing so. And the Electoral College is going to vote for Trump. And now, four years later. The Electoral College is of Satan and should be abolished. I well, don't understand. Their their issue is not so much that the Electoral College should be abolished. They should completely rewrite the rules the way the Electoral College is run. Yeah. Well, no, they're saying that the, that the election itself is illegitimate. Okay. So Texas, what Texas was doing, it was suing, I think, Georgia, Michigan, mm-hmm. Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. Um to basically say, we don't like the way you changed the rules of the election for your state in a way that was improper. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, you need to hold an entirely different election because all, you know, there was so much fraud that took place, which uh, has been been verifiably in court proven to not have happened. Well, and the Supreme Court was that they took that to the steps of the Supreme Court. The and Supreme Court said, yeah, get it, get out of here. Like this is to be this, clear, the Supreme Court that three of the justices have uh-huh. been appointed by Trump and should be as pro-Trump as there's ever been a court right. ever, right? Yep. And okay. so now people are saying, "Oh, Trump just picked the wrong people because oh. they're they're not uh, loyal to him." Um, it's amazing when God is in control and when he's not. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. And many of the judges who have uh, not just in the Supreme Court, but judges in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. Michigan, these guys that are throwing stuff out are Republican-appointed judges, uh, some that Trump some appointed. Some that are Trump-appointed judges. And Trump appointed many judges, and they're now um, they're now railing against these, these guys saying this is just, uh, an, uh, I don't know, totally unjust. Um, the thing is, is that it's very easy for people at the top to claim fraud and claim that that this is uh, improper. And and here's the thing. I know some people say, well, there was fraud. Yep, there was. There was a little bit of fraud. I actually went today just to make sure, because I want to make sure we have the correct information. I went on the Heritage Foundation, which is a a very conservative group that deals with, and and, and I went on to the section that really dealt with election fraud. And in just in 2020, I think they counted 14 cases of election fraud on their website. Now, some of them were actually from 2016. They just misapplied it. So you take those out. Some of them were actually Republicans who mm-hmm. had had done some wrong things. But the fraud that they were talking about was someone provided 
a little too much advice to somebody filling out a ballot, oh. like one ballot. Uh, there was someone who... Pretty sure uh, that type of fraud happens all the time, correct? Right. And yeah. so so to say, you know, so don't hear... Tragically. Us, yeah. No one wants fraud. Exactly. But even Bill Barr, the attorney general, came out and said there was not widespread fraud. Nothing would have changed this election. The, the election happened. I mean, the Department of Homeland Security guy came out and said, most secure election in American history... So it's very easy for for people at the top, uh, like President Trump and and those who uh, follow him, to say, oh, it was fraudulent, it was stolen, it was stolen, it was stolen. But when these guys go to court, that's not what they're saying. And they're they're just trying to figure out a way to turn this whole thing around. And so all of that to say Mm. that what people are, are experiencing now is what they call, you know, is what we've heard this term, Trumpism, where basically it takes over in terms of your your love, in terms of your, um, I don't know, it's just, it's frustrating. And when you look at the things that were said, the things that were done this past weekend at the Jericho March, a, yeah. a rally of Christians, people calling for, you know, secession, um, some suggesting, you know, it might be time for civil war, talking yeah, I about think being ready Texas, to I die. Saw, yeah, and fight it to the last drop of our blood, I think is right. what he said, right? And he's a conservative Christian yeah. who... I, I don't know. Can I? So I, I knew you were going to ask me to, to talk about this. And so I, I don't do very well when I'm just flying by the seat of my pants. So I wrote down a little soapbox if okay. I could. Do it. It just, in what I've seen in the last four years. So a few things that Trump has done successfully, and he's done many a good things in the office, in the Oval Office, and different things for, you know, religious freedom and all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying this is all he's done. However, he has absolutely successfully done for his base. Um, he somehow he has got them to believe forget about what you see and just mm-hmm. listen to me um you know it, this kind of started a lot of this started with the inauguration crowd which was smaller than than uh, obama's and whatever who cares what the size of your inauguration crowd is you're president yep. so why do why do we continue to fight it i mean there was empirical evidence from the photos that it was not as large as but but he just he, he continued to rail and he's like forget about what you see just listen to me because it really comes down to Trump is the only one who is in his mind and what he portrays. He is the one who is 100% truthful. And if anybody says something that's different, then they are obviously wrong. Fake news, right? So forget about what you read in any news outlet. I am just get all of your information from me. Just subscribe to me and my press conferences and my Twitter, and I'll give you everything that you need. Um, And I think what that's done is like four years ago, we had a whole group of people that were called themselves never Trumpers. Sure. To be clear, I'm not an ever Trumper. To be clear, I'm not an ever anybody because no one is unredeemable while there's still breath in their lungs. Sure. Um, but at the same time, what's happened four years later, it's not so much a camp of never Trumpers, it's a camp of only, only Trumpers. Trump. Sure. Only. Mm-hmm. Like Donald J. Trump, in the mind of many, too many, in my opinion, is our only savior. He's the only one that can save America. He's the only one. So get everybody else out of the way. And by the way, if you're a Republican, a conservative in the GOP, and you're not ready to toe the line, get out. Right. This is only Trump's country here. Um, and quite honestly, you know, this leads us up to the election where six months ago, the election was doomed from the beginning anyway, because six months before the election, he was already saying that there was going to be widespread fraud and it was going to be a fraudulent election. And so he was setting himself up to not lose. He was either going to win a fraudulent election or he was going to not lose a fraudulent election. But regardless, now we have a democracy that is teetering on the edge because no one believes anything except for one man. 
No one believes what's going on in any states, regardless of whether it's a Republican judge or a Trump-appointed judge or anything else. We're only supposed to believe the mouth of one man. And then this brings us to the Jericho March, where uh, based on the visions, the you know what the claimed visions of a few, and I, I am not a cessationist when it comes to the work of the Holy Spirit. I believe God still does give visions. And so do I, do I know uh, if, if these men or women, whoever they are, receive these visions? I don't know. But you know what? I'm going to wait until I'm going to, the jury's always out. I think that if any, as a pastor, if anybody comes up to me and says, God told me this, hmm. the jury is always out until we find out if it's correct. Mm-hmm. Like if you prove yourself to be a prophet, then I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt the next time. But if I don't know who you are and you come up and make a prophetic voice, and I think that's, that's what the discernment and the wisdom that God gives to all of us. Right. right. And so, so I don't know who these people are and they say that, you know, the, the job's not done and it's not over. Trump's still going to be on the throne, all this kind of stuff. I don't know who they are. And so I'm not going to follow them blindly. I, I can't simply say that God is moving in their life differently than what he is doing in ours and mine. But I, I will say that the, there's extremely dangerous position that Christians who are wrapped up in this rhetoric are already painting a picture of an impotent God. A God yep. that was not strong enough, a God that was not powerful enough to remove fraud from the election to put his man, who was supposed to be there from the first place, into place. Yep. And let's go to, just let's go past today where they were voting on electoral college. Let's go a week from today, a month from today. Let's go into January when we have the inauguration. How impotent is God going to look then? When to way too many people have invoked his name and said, no, it's not over. God's going to reverse this. And then what happens if he doesn't? Yeah. What, like what then? Now we've completely sullied the power of God when now we go up to someone and say, God has the power to save you from the power of, you know, and by the power of his resurrection. They say, what, what power again? Like he can't even keep Trump in office. Like how is he going to resurrect me? Uh, so I'll end by saying this. I, I read what I consider to be a fabulous op-ed from AL.com. Uh, which is, I guess, the Alabama or something. It's al.com. But uh, this woman wrote a piece, uh, and it was entitled The Postmodern GOP. Hmm. I think I sent it to you, but um, I sent it to a few people who I just, you know, I, I, I know I can have good conversation with and we can still be friends. But her position was, as someone who grew up in the church like all of us did and has been taught, especially in the conservative church, that there is objective truth right? It's not subjective. It's not your truth, my truth. It's not, especially when it comes to gender and sexuality and sin and different things. We can't just say what's good for you is good for you and what's good for me is good for me. And I can't just come up with my own truth. She's suggests, and I think she has a point that now we're seeing the same people who taught us that when we were young Uh saying, you know what, don't follow the facts. Don't follow what you see. Don't follow what is objective truth. Let's just follow our feelings. Let's Hmm. just follow what we want to be true. Let's not follow what is actually true. And so that's we've been hearing that since, you know, for our entire life. Like, you can't just make up your own truth. Now, again, to be clear, I said this a month ago. I want honesty and integrity in our elections. Yeah. I, I want there to be no fraud. There's always going to be some fraud because people are sinners, and that's just the way it is. But... <laughs> The, right now, everything that has been said by you know our you know Rudy Giuliani, which by the way, time out. I went back and watched the clip that you mentioned last week. Um, God bless him, man. <laughs> I you know that was a very audible toot, 
And the best part of that whole clip was the woman sitting next yeah, to him Jenna who, rea- like, <laughs> who reacted what? to it. That was amazing. Yeah. Here's what I'll say, uh, you know, brother, grace to you, because for those of us who have to actually stand in front of a microphone in a silent room, sometimes we know what it's like to have bubble gut and we're just holding it in. <laughs> and when you're an older fella, it's just hard to hold it in. You, my friend, every time you're in front of a microphone, you have loud music behind you. And I have no idea. You're probably on stage ripping them and nobody would know. All the time. Nobody would know. Exactly. Never. So to you, Rudy, you know, sorry that Jeff made funny last week. I give you absolute grace. But here's the what I what I give him grace, but I also not that he's ever paying attention, but I call him to stop. Like either yeah. produce the evidence that you're claiming in court where you can be held liable for uh, perjury, or shut up with your press conferences. Yeah. Like honestly, yeah, yeah, because uh, all you're doing in the court of public opinion, you're winning with your base because you're just you can say whatever you want to say when the microphone's open. But go into court and actually win a court case. Go into court and actually present the uh, the stuff that you're talking about and see how it works out. So I'll, I'll end with this. Um, one of the court cases that he and his team, uh, the Trump team and, and Rudy, went into Pennsylvania. They appealed to the third, the third circuit court of the U.S. Court of Appeals by a panel of three judges. All three of those judges were Republican-appointed federal judges. One of them was a Trump appointee, and they lost zero to three. The per- the guy who was a Trump appointee, his name is Stefanos Bibas. Here is what he said. He wrote in his opinion. He said, quote, fair and free elections are the lifeblood of our democracy. Charges of unfairness are serious, but calling an election unfair does not make it so. (laughs) Again, calling an election unfair does not make it so. Charges require specific allegations and then proof. We have neither here. Neither. So either courts are being absolutely paid off and every single court that is, they've gone into is dirty, dirty, dirty money court or these allegations have no base. And I've read through some of them. I've, you know, I'm, not, I'm apolitical, but I've, I'm, I'm interested. And mm-hmm. so I've read through some of them because there are a lot of people in my life who are, you know, who believe in some of these things. And I've read them and I have, I've yet to be swayed. Yeah, I've yet to be swayed, and I've also will never be swayed so much to say that the church requires quote-unquote God's man to be in the throne of the Oval Office. The church does not require that. The church has never required that. And I will never say that, you know, the the um, the vibrancy of our mission and our gospel depends on who is president, ever. Ever. And so let, let the chips fall where they may. That's my soapbox. Man. I'm ready for an altar call. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't even know where to go after that. Like that was. I mean, that's my response to the. I mean, you, you wanted a response, yeah. so there's the response. Well, my, and so you hit on something that is such an issue for me, and we talked about this during the outrage series. It's that it breaks my heart when I go. Why does it seem like the evangelical, the white evangelical church, tends to be the most gullible and the least discerning? Like, as Christians, we should be the wisest people. We should be the most discerning people. Scripture tells us time and time again to test the spirits, to look and to evaluate what people are saying and to look for objective truth, what is amazing to me. And, you know, I know you said it tongue-in-cheek, but it's true. You you had me say the whole thing about our county executive shutting down restaurants because people were going to start claiming that I'm a liberal at this moment. Mm. And I'm going, that— that's where we are right mm-hmm. now in our culture, in our church culture, which is if someone stands up and says, 
I want to appeal to objective truth Mm -hmm. and I want to be discerning. And when some, when multiple people get up and say, God said this, um, I meant to say this back in the outrage series and I forgot to. And then I was like, Oh man. But I would go so far as to say any person who publicly came out and said, God gave me a vision that Trump was going to win the presidency. You should be done with those people. They are false prophets. They are people who got up and they gave a message that was not true. I can name them if you would like. But the reality is, in my book, those are people who stood up and said, this is what God told me, and it did not come to fruition. So now one of the two things happened. Either those people were lying, or God doesn't know the future. It's an impotent God. It is a God who goes, oh, man. I was going to, oh, Trump was going to win, but all of these things happen. And of course, now we find out none of those things happen to keep him from winning. And so therefore, either you believe in a God who is incredibly small and not God at all, or you're lying. Either way, you should be done with those people. Um, to me, this is, this is such a lack of discernment. There's such a lack of... To be clear, be done allowing those people to influence your life. Yeah. Like, we should still desire to influence them. Right, 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 right. No, what I'm saying is they should lose any kind of spiritual platform in sure. your in, of spiritual authority. Yeah, sure. I'm not saying I'm not saying write anybody off. What sure. I, but what I'm saying is they should no longer have that platform because that is spiritual abuse. Sure. Because you have just said, I, you know, I know this is what's going to happen. And, I mean, power to you. You did a 50-50 coin flip and really put all your chips in on this going to happen because you felt so strongly about this. But what we've seen now is that there is just—it is so irresponsible to then say because of these events that judges on my side are saying there's no basis here. There's no truth to anything that's being alleged. Right that now we need to start talking about a civil war or we need to Which start is talking so dangerous. It is incredibly dangerous. And to give those, to entertain those people at all is, is to me, right. I don't understand how a Christian can do that. Uh, I'm right. My, my hope is that if, if any of my buddies were down there for the Jericho March and they, you know, they, they wanted all this to be true and, you know, they're, they're hoping the vision was real and all this kind of stuff. My hope is that, and I, I mean, I've read some of the transcripts of, of the, and I've watched some of the video. And my hope is that as soon as they start, I mean, my hope is that their flags would have went up at some point in time earlier. Okay. That's, I, I would have loved that. Yeah. But once they got to the point for calling for bloodshed, like, can, can, can our ears not then perk up a little bit and say, oh, all right, what, 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 what am I, what, what am I doing here? While they're calling for bloodhead, bloodshed and the president is flying over and, you know, in his, in his helicopter, it is the, um, I, I mourn more for the position that the church is in now. Um, and, and I, I firmly believe that this is very much an outlier of the church, but they're loud. They're a yeah. loud outlier. Yeah. In fact, this is kind of our political version of Westboro, Westboro. Baptist. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. Where they're they're so far out there, and the main all, most of the church is going, no, no, this is not the way. To, but they're so loud that the people who don't understand are going, is that really is that really what you guys stand for? And the answer is no, no. 
Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. And, you know, be, uh, my concern is what if they're not as much of an outlier as we think? I saw a report that said, I, I don't remember the exact number, so I'll be real careful how I say it, but it's somewhere between it's 55 to 65% of Republicans don't believe the election was legit, that the election was stolen. And I'm going... <sighs> well, again, back to my point, the reason they don't think that, the reason they believe that is because... Their highest source of truth is our president. Yeah. That's their highest source of truth. And he says very plainly that the election was stolen. I did not lose. Biden did not win. And everyone who tells you differently is lying to you and is of Satan. The fact that there was a, um, I, I, I will never, something that should prick your ears and make you go, this seems off is that there was a guy there, uh, I think, from Israel to blow the shofar. He had a red, white, and blue Trump-inspired shofar. Mm -hmm. And he came and he said, oh, I'm allowed to be here on a Saturday because I called— I'm an Orthodox Jew. Uh, I called a a rabbi in Israel, and he gave me permission to break Shabbat for this. I'm like, you you believe that? Like, I— I don't know. It's. I mean, a lot of that is painful. I, I actually. I saw in the transcripts. I saw a quote from Eric Metaxas. Uh, Mita- whatever. Metaxas. Thank yeah. you. Sorry. Um, apologies. Um, a, a quote from him that he stepped up to the microphone and said, "Hallelujah." Yep. That's American for glory American to God. For glory. I'm like, what is that? W- when did that not become? When? When was that? When is that not Hebrew? A hallelujah. Yeah. Like, also, praise <laughs> the Lord. Could praise you say, Yahweh. Yeah, that's American. That's American for, that, for glory to God. That's American. Yeah, I just, my thing, and, and we'll move on. Um, Thank you. My thing is this, and here, this is a, a lament for me. Yep. Um, 2020 is a year that the church could have made inroads. 2020 is a year that, that as bad as it is, we understand as Christians, the only place that has hope, peace, joy, love, all these things that we're talking about, these are the marks of a Christian, the fruits of the Spirit. This should have been a time where the church came up and said, guys, I know it's bad here. Yeah. We know a way out. We we have something to offer that the world does not have to offer. Mm-hmm. It could, I mean, in our lifetimes, it could not currently have been worse than it currently is. Right. Now, it, it obviously can get worse, but I mean, what we have experienced, I think... But we been, show hope. And I have a this, personal story about that when you're done. Go ahead. We could have proved our worth. We could have lived out our calling, and this is what we chose to do. Yeah. This is what we chose to do. And and so my thing is, as a pastor, I don't like being in a position where we have to talk politics. No. I don't like being on a podcast and having to talk about that. And and one, because it's I just it's frustrating. Um, two, and I'll be very open and honest, I mean, this is our livelihood. And if we have enough people who get mad at us and leave the church, we gone. Um, we're gone. And and so it would be very easy as a pastor to sit here and say, I'm just gonna be quiet. Because I'm afraid that other people, and that has happened. We've had people who have taken our stuff out of context, and uh, you more so than me. But I'm I'm working hard to catch up. Um, well, if I if I need to go be a cruise director on a cruise ship, I can. I'll, I'll preach. Jesus Lord, there. hear my send me. I'll but that to me is like this is an instance where we have to, as pastors, I think, stand up and say, 
the calls that people are making, where the church is at and where that's going is irresponsible. It's undiscerning. It's unwise. It's not what Jesus would have for us. And we have to do better than that. And it's not showing the hope of the gospel. Here's where I'll end. Personal story to your point. That 2020 is a year that we had such a platform and in some very many ways the church the church nationally has blown it. So just uh, in the last week we had a friend of ours who passed. Um, mm-hmm. She was 32 years old. And it, you know, it, it, I'll speak for myself. It, it, it shook me Yeah. and, uh, you know, being with the family and performing that funeral and being around all of that, it's been a very emotional week, week and a half. Just yesterday, I spoke with someone who's a friend of the family and, um, she was at all, you know, she was at the viewing, she was at all the, all the stuff and she knows the family well. And she basically said, I've watched how this family has gone through tragedy and I watch how my family goes through tragedy. Hmm. My family would be flat on the ground, kicking and screaming and wouldn't get up from the ground. But this family, it's not that they dust themselves off, but they have a hope and they're able to get past, not past, but they're able to get through things. They're able to get through things. And so she actually showed up to church and is seeking and hopefully finding the Lord because she watched believers with hope go through a tragedy, go through something that obviously they did not want on their plate. Ergo, there are way too many people in the church who want Donald Trump to be president. Sure, fine, want him to be president, who are still on the ground kicking and screaming. Yeah. <laughs> Still on the ground, kicking and screaming, reacting as if this, um, you know, this this woman and her, without hope and non Christian, unbelieving family would react to something that they didn't want to go their way, as opposed to still in a sense of possibly not, you know, maybe mourning, maybe grieving something that you know we didn't want to happen, but dusting yourselves off and moving forward in the mission that Christ has for us. That is a testimony to the world and um i don't think the jericho march gave that testimony to the world no and i think when i'm in the cesspool of twitter in response to a lot of this i've seen people go i have walked away from the church because of this kind of thing and it's just it it is it just shows the the dichotomy of when the church acts the way christ has called us to Hmm. it is impactful when the church goes and says, we are going to embrace a sense of Christian nationalism, it does damage. This kind of thing is not harmless. And and so as Christians, we got to we got to call that out. Um, I just yeah, it, it is it's such a it's such a struggle going through that. And um, one of the things to kind of bring things around and, and I was so encouraged having had the opportunity to participate in that memorial service, um, a small part in it. One of the things I thought was just such a beautiful thing, and it is reminding me of the hope that we have as, as Christians, is that in the face of death, some people fear it, some people shrink, some people uh, just don't know how to face it, and yet having walked through it and walked through that trauma, as Christians with the hope of Jesus, we can stand up in the front of death, in the face of death, and sing. Hmm. That we can, we can sing. And, and it, death does not have victory for the Christian. And that, to me, is where we need to just reset and come back and say, let's be about the hope of Christ. If, if the election didn't go your way this year, 
totally get it. Like, understand it's frustrating. There can be moments of, of fear. There can be moments of what happens. I understand that. That's not what we're talking about. Some sure. people have said, well, we then, fear the next four years. Right. I get it. Yeah. And, and, and so the whole thing is, well, what, you know, you're saying we should be supportive of this. No. All, all we're saying is <laughs> don't go and do what happened this past weekend. Guys, we need to get into like our actual discussion today. I'm still in Christmas and Advent, right? We are. This okay. is the last week, final week of Advent. By the time you're listening to this, you will be just days away from Christmas. I love it. It's exciting. Uh, All so, you need is love. You know what? I almost put that in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, Tim's going to sing. I knew you were going to do that. Yeah, of course. 100% knew you were going to do that. Guy, let's, uh, let's be happy for a second. What's the best Christmas gift you've ever gotten? The best Christmas gift. I'm going to let Joe go because I'm sure I'm. I'm actually going to s- talk about video games. I know he has to have a video game. <laughs> Mine's about video games. Yeah, yeah. We're just three nerds sitting in a room. Then your eyes are very wide. Are you? Do you not want to say anything? I don't have anything. No, you, no. you don't know what. All right, so I don't know what year it was, but uh, when my mom and dad gave me the original NES, the original Nintendo Entertainment System, You're telling my story. Okay, so I was about two years behind all my friends, about two years yeah. behind all my friends, and so once I finally got it, um, it was it it was a good day. It was a good day. I don't know how I don't know how much I slept in the next week after that Christmas. Mm-hmm. Not much. Did you cry? No, no, but you know, I, I, I got a little excited. I cried. You cried. I cried. Well, you're a sensitive type, anyway. I am, but I was like six, seven. No, I was, I was older than that. Seven or eight around there. Well, seven, eight, nine. See, I that goes to show because I, I was probably nine or ten. Like I was, a, I was years behind people. So yeah, I, I mean, it wasn't too long. It, we, were, you know, we were around the same age. So yeah, um, yeah. I don't know if it was the first year it came out. I don't think it was. It might not have been the first year. I don't remember. But uh, I remember not thinking that we were going to get it. Mm-hmm. And my parents probably did a really good job of mm-hmm. telling me we weren't going to get it. Like and, the PS5. <laughs> and uh, anyway. And so when I opened it up on that day, I had no expectation I was getting it. Yeah. And I opened it and I saw. And the thing was, it, like, I ran into my room. Yeah. And it was it was kind of a really awkward moment actually because my family was like, "Why did you just leave?" Like, the, I wish it had been like that cool thing, the cool commercial where you see the kids like ripping stuff open, going, "Yeah!" Like, I ripped it open, saw what it was, and I ran out of the room crying. <laughs> and I ran into my bed, and and my family was like, "What? What's wrong?" Yeah. And it just to me, I'm going, I, like, I'm not, and I'm not a, I'm not a gifts person like sure. you know christmas if you came and you said hey we decided to get gifts for everybody else but you gotta be like i'm fine yeah like you're totally good yeah but yeah. Uh, oh, uh, but i'm not a birthday guy i don't really care about my birthday you're a big birthday guy like you not gotta take so off you gotta do you know all this kind of stuff i just am always looking birthday. for reasons to take off i see I yeah see. and and it was 40 like normally i, I don't I don't take that out but i'll share because we actually cried. we actually I recorded cried. on my birthday and i didn't didn't give a hoot you also so. recorded on your anniversary no my anniversary was the day before my birthday so that couldn't both be true Anyway, um, we're talking about love. We're talking about love. And it does seem like, even for two guys, and Josie, I don't know where you stand on, the, like, is gifts your love language? I'm going to say no, because I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, no. well, well, we'll walk I don't know what my love language is. I like going places and experiencing you're things. You're probably That's quality our... time. You're probably quality yeah. time yep. or acts of service, yep. I would quality imagine. Time. Or acts of service, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Probably not words of affirmation. Nope, nope. Mm-mm. 
I know this because I sent you a text Shut on up, Thanksgiving. <laughs> I, I sent you a text on Thanksgiving to be like, "Hey, man, uh, our family was our whole family was sitting around the dinner table." Yeah, I didn't respond to that. You didn't respond at I all. I had no idea how to respond. And to I, that. exactly, and I just like just want to let you know, uh, our family, you, you came up this year in terms of your leadership of our church, and we're we're real grateful for you. Crickets did not even acknowledge, <laughs> not like, even a Caucasian thumbs no, up. Like I, it's, I th- that is one of the most. I mean, I don't receive a ton of you know encouraging you know thank you. You're not very you're good at what you do, right? Nobody ever says Tim, you're the best. But every you're once in a best. while, when it comes from a deranged individual, I have no idea how to respond right. to that. None. None. <laughs> so anyway, so we uh, even for guys who don't consider gifts to be our primary love language, uh, somehow we still associate like gifts as a form of love. Mm-hmm. And and when you get something that, that makes you feel like this person gets me, this person loves me this year, I tried to do a couple things for my wife that would, were not necessarily on her list. Can't uh, buy me love, no, but I'll try. And you know, and so it's just that kind of thing where we, we try to, we try to show love. Um, I feel like that's that's what God does. God likes you. Give me a hard time about me trying to give my kids good gifts, but God gives good gifts. Jack, you're not going to get it. You're not getting it. I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast. No PS Five. I know he you. doesn't listen to this podcast. Um, so anyway, we're going to talk about love because this is the final theme of Advent. This mm-hmm. is the last few days before mm-hmm. Christmas. The between love we it. we exist between two Advents, and so as we've talked about the last few weeks, mm-hmm. we know that that Advent is a time of repentance. It's a time of rest. It's a time where we are reminded to seek shalom that eggnog. we are trying to, yeah. Shalom eggnog. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is that a real thing? Oh, it completes me. Shalom eggnog. No, just eggnog. It completes me. It oh, brings oh, I got shalom. You. I, I thought it was like life. a brand. No. I was like, okay, shalom eggnog. Um, it's maybe, maybe that's what I'm, how I'm going to start wishing everybody Merry Christmas. Sounds like it's a foreign language. Shalom eggnog. You can have kosher mm. eggnog. Yeah. Shalom <laughs> And, uh, and finding joy in the midst of good and bad. And today we wrap up our Advent series with a look on love. And I want to throw out a question to the two of you. I know we're not going to engage with an article today. We are going to talk mostly about Scripture. But yep. I saw in an article that I was reading someone basically say Christmas, and this is a Christian perspective, Christmas is the season of love. Mm-hmm. That uh, it, it is typically fairly primary for a Christian in this season, um, and maybe not even just the Christian, but... Agree or disagree? Christmas is a season of love. The season or a season? The. Hmm. I would agree with a season. Okay. But the season? Hmm. Sure. Why not? Joe, Z. Um, I think I agree conditionally. Uh, of course Advent, you do. Advent's more or less a multifaceted season because like, we've, we've shown that yeah. Christmas with Advent, joy, love, peace, uh, the other one. Um, <laughs> hope. 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 <laughs> yeah. And in terms of love, I think we're, we're talking not we're talking about a very specific form of love, this unconditional universal love, the agape that we sure. we, we always talk about whenever we talk about love. Um, and I think in this season, we we experience that love from God, and that's what kind of translates into like some of the old carols and stuff talk about like love of man or love extended to our fellow man kind of stuff. Mm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think definitely this is a season where we think about the love of God. I think it's also a time where we are, we experience, express our love toward other people. And it's not unnatural. Like if we started going around wearing weird sweaters um, in the midst of like April and like singing mm-hmm. songs and being like, Hey, you're great. And I bought you a gift. You know, people are like, what are you smoking? But like during Christmas, it's, it's sort of understood. And and that to me is, I think 
the reason I would I would go oh, okay yeah that's, that's an interesting thought because they pointed out how often or how weird it looks when you see someone alone at Christmas or yeah. the idea of someone being alone at Christmas the idea of being separated from people at Christmas you know we don't we don't typically think about that at Easter right we don't typically think about that on Memorial Day we're like oh someone's not you know away from their sure. family and whatever but at Christmas it's like oh man you're not with your family you're not with people that you love that you know you're not experiencing this season of of it's kind of just a joyful celebration of the love that we have for each other and I've all of that to me is just birthed out of the love that we experience from God which yeah. I think it's interesting how when you go through and we went through this process of trying to figure out what our advent season was going to look like you start to look up what are the four themes of, of Advent? And you've got hope, peace, joy, and love. Now, a lot of times hope will usually go first. Sometimes, it, you know, joy could go, you know, and, and depending on your denomination, depending on where you come from, those first three can sort of be interchangeable. Mm-hmm. But love seems to always be the one to anchor everything. Why? I'm going to ask you why you think so. I don't know. That's why I asked you first. Well, I put it on the show notes. So I'm I asked asking, you first. You can't ask me a question that I asked you in the notes. Why is love always last? Because hmm. uh, it's a season of love. No, because uh, uh, you know, love is what remains, right? Hope or what is it? Um, Hope, joy, peace. But the greatest of these is, is love. love. Right. Yeah. yeah. So we always show. end, always end with love. Yeah. Josie, you got any thoughts on that? At the front end, you said, I don't have a lot to say about love. <laughs> that was is that how terrible. I talk? No, that was terrible. Okay. Um. I mean, yeah. I, what I have written down is exactly that of these commandments. The most important is love. It, it's just a good one to end on. Um. I I think as we get into Christmas Day, um, a lot of the season of Christmas, um, I I feel like that what I would consider to be the Christmas season is almost distinctly separate from the day Christmas itself. Okay. Um, and as we get closer in, right up onto Christmas day, that's the day where like, I feel like the love is the most best expressed. The Christmas season itself for me is a, a very social thing. So, sure. but the closer we get to the actual holiday, that's when family starts coming in the town. That's when like we start hunkering down and that's when we see each other like, sure. like our tighter social circles. But yeah. for the rest of the month, you're out, you're doing things. I mean, not this month, obviously, but <laughs> um, like it's, it's a lot more broad than like this tight social circle of your family. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when you get together with people, that is a high expression of love because quite often when you get together with family, you're with people that you love that you might not always like, right? Sure. We've talked about it before. Liking someone is solely dependent on who they are and what they do and how they act. But loving someone is solely dependent on me and what, how I will act towards them. Mm-hmm. And Christmas is one of the, really the whole season from Thanksgiving to Christmas is that time where you 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 exercise that love even with people that you're like, you know, I'll see you next Christmas kind of thing. But yeah. right now I'll, I'll love on you a bit and make that a willful response. I feel like for me, I mean, you guys seem like Christmas Day is big for you. Christmas Day for me is social, right? I mean, and, and we remember Jesus to me. where and, and, and I think it certainly hasn't hit me yet because we're not there yet. Um, I think I'm going to feel it this year on Christmas Eve. Because we're not here at mm-hmm. the church. Yeah, I mean, like I have been very excited. Like we, we've, I've finished almost everything that I have to do for church and my job. You know, Christmas wise, uh, like yesterday, we still have our fun Friday, which hopefully you guys tuned in and and we had some fun together. Um, but it's like, 
you know, and I, I'm excited to sort of, my wife and I have talked about what does our Christmas Eve look like now that church doesn't get 80% of the time that day. And, and now it's like, I, I have, I'm, I'm interested to see how I'm, I'm going to deal with that because to eggnog. me, Christmas Eve, <laughs> yeah, Shalom Eggnog, mm-hmm. uh, Christmas Eve to me has always been the time where I feel the most like this is me locked in on Jesus. I just feel it. The lights are down, the candles are lit, and here we are just remembering the fact that he came for us. Christmas Eve is, yeah. I mean, obviously, this is why people come on Christmas and Easter. It's yeah. because those are the two, those are two of, you know, the, really kind of the highest points of worship. However, uh, I have some friends, well, some people uh, in my life who have often called worship at Christmas Eve and an Easter the amateur hour. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. that's not when you have all of, that's not when you have the highest concentration of worshipers in the room. That's just when you have the highest concentration of people in the room. Yeah. You just have people that are there because this is what we're supposed to do. So you might be feeling it, but everybody else, you know, not everybody else, a lot of other people there are just there for the show, just there to check the box, just there sure. to say, God used to love me, right? And then move yeah. on. So, yep. Uh, and so today, here's what I want to do. We're not going to talk about an article. I know I've, I've kind of enjoyed using those as baseline jumping off points. Um, just as an aside, um, we were talking about it earlier. Uh, CNN has officially reported that Biden has won fake, as of fake. 535. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, that's a surprise. Two votes. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert. So it's over. There's a twist. Go well, home. Yeah. I like that. You quoted Ferris Bueller there. Again. You snuck it in. Um, Which, by the way, that was probably one of your best bloopers. Okay. Not bloopers, but end of... I Like, I really enjoyed that one. That was that made me laugh really hard. Uh, so anyway, so what we're going to do is we're going to deal with um, some scripture today. We're going to just take two verses of scripture, and the, and the time that we have left, which is admittedly not a lot, uh, we're going to just kind of engage in. And what I've we we don't really have a huge roadmap for this one. It's we're going to read scripture, and then we're just going to kind of pull it apart and say, what do you get out of this? Um, Tim, since I don't have anything for you to do at the end of the special Tim talk, would you use your dulcet tones? And make us all feel better by reading 1 John 4, 9 through 10. 1 John 4, 9 through 10. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And in this love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beautiful. It's a fun word. That was really well done. Yeah, sins. I like it too. Oh, you mean propitiation. Yeah, propitiation. Propitiation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a long word. It is. Yeah. Propitiation. That's like at least 17 syllables. So propitiation, by the way, there's actually people over the uh, you know the length of Christianity since Jesus, theologians have argued whether Christ's death on the cross should be described as what's called an expiation okay. or a propitiation, where expiation emphasizes the payment of the penalty or the removal of guilt, where propitiation specifically speaks of appeasing or averting God's wrath. Hmm. So propitiation leans more towards the 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 Lord, you know, the Lord Jesus at the cross was not just removing our guilt, but he was literally sucking up all of the arrows and all of the wrath of God in his body as he hung on the cross for us. I like that. Yeah. Sucking up the arrows yeah. of just the wrath of God. Yeah, so remember the hmm. movie 300 where they take, yeah. you know, the arrows come and they I throw do. them up. I don't up watch R-rated movies. Yeah. Um, yeah, Christ was our shield. Taking all those arrows while like we were that. just hunkering I'd down. I've never heard that, and I've heard most pretty much everything. 
So, uh, so I love this great. passage. Yeah. This passage is, um, it's, it's another one of those like gospel in a nutshell passages, especially mm-hmm. the ninth verse of chapter four that we read there. It's, it's, it's a very, uh, you know, kind of clear parallel to John 3.16. It's a clear parallel to 1 John 3.16 uh, in that we see that God's whole purpose and God's whole plan was to send Christ for us so that he would take our place. And it was love that motivated all of it. I, I like to say sometimes that Easter starts at Christmas um, mm. because, you know, Easter doesn't come without Good Friday, but Good Friday doesn't come without Christmas. Yeah. And as much as a, as much of a sacrifice as Jesus made on that Friday on that cross, I, I won't say that it's the same, and I definitely won't say that it's more, but to think of the sacrifice that he made leaving his throne and glory to come down here and be birthed yeah. as a vulnerable baby boy, yeah. that was a big loving sacrifice that sometimes yeah. we overlook. Yeah, I think Christmas I th- Christmas is the, is the Jesus holiday that we feel really good about, and Good Friday is the one that we feel really bad about. Mm-hmm. You know, we sort of couple Easter in there. That, I mean, there, there's, there's great joy, and... We don't typically, and I think we talked about this in the Hope one, we typically don't connect sin to Christmas, like a need for repentance sure. and, and whatever. That's, um, we leave that for Friday. Good we Friday. leave that for Friday. Yeah. We, we associate that with Easter, that Christmas is just all good feelings, and Jesus showed up, and there were angels, and there was great music, and also, as we talked about last week, there was slaughtering of other babies that were taking place at the same time, mm. right? That it's not as clean and it's not as pretty as we make it, and and I don't know I don't know why we make it that way. I mean, it just it just feels really great and makes us feel cozy and warm. Um, but to me, the whole reason Jesus came—it's not to me. I mean, like that's a dumb statement to make. Um, the whole reason Jesus showed up. Well, I guess because of me, uh, because I was a bad person, mm-hmm. and you were a bad person, and Josie. You're a really bad person. Because the like, world was broken and dark mm-hmm. and sinful, and because that's, you know, yeah, all of the human condition. He came yeah. because of the human condition. And and to think that God would love me enough to do that is just, it is, it is wild. It is something that is such a, to know that love began with God. Not that we loved him, but that he first loved us. Um, and that doesn't, I don't oh, wait a minute. He, didn't he come because we were really cool and he wouldn't hang out with us? No, oh, no, man, I'm, I'm, I've gotten this wrong. I was way <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's the thing that I, I think, you know, we just remember, Oh, God loves us. We love people. And, and I don't think we, we kind of drilled down enough on that to recognize the depths of God's love and what he was doing. Right. And you, you talked about the vulnerability of God. It, it astounds me. I realized this about 12 years ago uh, as I was, I had to preach one of the our Christmas Eve services and, you know, trying to just retell the story and, and, and give it perspective and to know that the God of all creation who spoke everything into being with a word had to come down here and be potty trained. That he had to learn how to do things the way that we do things. That That's he crazy. gave up his godness and gave up all that kind of goes with that and in, in an effort to say, I will become just like you so that I can save you. Yeah. Yeah. I would have done that. 
No. You shoot. all would be in major, major trouble. Yeah. We'd still be out, you know, floating our yeah. boat without a paddle for sure. 100%. I'd leave all of you. Not all of you. Yeah. But I, I have a list. It's a, you know, to, to boot what we're talking about here, Romans 5, Paul says to the church in Rome, um, you know, while we were still yet enemies of God, you know, Christ, or God sent his son, right? The, that one gets the, me The every death time. of his son. Uh, I, I think I don't want to revise, you know, um, revise scripture here, and I certainly don't want to put my voice at the level of it, but I think we could also say, thinking of Christmas, while we were yet enemies of God, God sent his son birthed as a little baby. Yeah. God sent Christ. While we were, he, he sent his son into the den of his enemies to yeah. save his enemies. Yeah. That's love. Yeah. That's sacrificial agape love. Joe, and he didn't have to. No. And, and it he didn't have to do it the way he did it either. I mean, like everything, there was such, and this is so wild to me, there was such humility in God to say, I'm going to be birthed this way in this situation, in this tiny little town, and I'm going to have no place to stay, even though I am, li- I literally made everything and I got nowhere to go. Mm. And I'm going to just basically be put in an environment surrounded by the mess of animals. Sure. And this is what I'm going to do. It's... If if I was, I mean, if that was me, I'd be, you know, riding on a cloud, you know, shining like the sun at the trumpet call. I'd be, yeah. com- I'd like the second coming, second coming would is your be first. the first coming. <laughs> right. What's up, y'all? <laughs> the it's king a, is arrived. It's about to get real different. Yep. It's going down. It's going down for real. <laughs> yep. I mean, like that. And that's the thing. That's why to me, I mean, I know there are some people who look at it and be like, this story is not real. I don't know why I do voices like that when I'm trying to make fun that of people. It was a really good voice. It was a good voice, right? Maybe I'll just do the whole podcast yeah. in that voice. But that is why, to me, the story makes so has to be real because no one would write a story this way. Yeah. No one would say, you know what, I'm going to be the king and I'm going to just become lowly for all of you. I mean, first, no one would write a story in which the creator says, you know what, I'm going to become just like you and take on all of your mess in the midst of your mess so that you could no longer be in the mess. Who does that? And, and then how many Kings step down from their throne? Are we just going to quote songs? Might as well. Yeah, yeah. might as well. How many Lords have abandoned their home? I do. How many fathers gave gave up their sons for me? As much you know, I, I know you. You, you don't only like, one, yeah, did, did that, that for me. For me, you don't like that song because you've sung it a million times. I like that song. Old. That's one of my favorites. I love that absolutely song. one of my favorites, just because it it all it, it every time I hear it, it reminds me, of and I'm me. thankful for the reminder. No, not oh, you. never me. Okay. But it reminds me of the love that we're talking about here. The high, yeah. one of the highest. The high, uh, let's just go ahead and say this is the highest form of love that the world has seen at this point in time in history. Yep. yep. They have not seen Good Friday. They have not seen Easter. This is the world being blasted with the love of God. Yep. And we didn't accept him. Like, we didn't receive him. Yeah. We were not super great to him. Well, I, you know. I mean, we try to be now, well, but I mean. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's putting it lightly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. And so here, here's a question. Does, does any, uh, I'll, I'll do these questions in reverse. How should... Th- these two verses, what we've talked about, how should that impact your relationship with God? Get over yourself. Uh, well, with God? Yeah, with God first. Uh, it should remind us of the, uh, you know, it should remind us 
that w- when we were enemies of his, he yeah. still came. He still came. Yeah, that's how it reminds me. And then, so all of the other um, Advent weeks, mm-hmm. we have really looked at how do we apply that? How do we put this into action? How do we then take hope and say, okay, hope then translates into my action should be repentance. My action should be rest. Peace, my action should be working for the shalom of other people. For joy, it's I should be infusing this spirit in the midst of everything that's going on. So then how do we then apply this to the people around us? If if we look and we say, this is what God has done for us, for everyone, Mm -hmm. then how does that impact our treatment of other people? Or does it? Yeah, well, of course. Okay, um, of okay. course. Uh, you know, and so if if God came in in a humble form to a world full of enemies, how dare we stand uh, before our enemies with puffed out chests, acting as if we are holier than thou, right? If yep. that's if if God, Creator of the universe, is going to do that, and so let's let's bring it back to our conversation from from previously. So uh, one of the things that I, I'm glad you clarified is because sometimes I know what you mean, but when you don't actually say it, people, you know, take it and run with it. Yeah. Like when you say, you know, if someone is a false prophet, you're, you know, you're dead to me or you're done with that person, whatever it is. Obviously, you you know, you, you don't have any kind of teaching, you know, qualifications right. for me to right, listen right, to right. you. Right. However, even if I consider you to be an enemy, I will still humbly reach out to you and try to love you with everything that I, you know, with everything that I'm capable of doing so. Yeah. Uh, which is why, you know, to those who are still hanging on to the podcast who are super ticked off at Jeff and I and you're going to leave the church now. We love you. Yeah. Like, even if you consider me to be your enemy, can we sit down and can we love each other and talk through different things and yeah. find where we have common ground in the Lord as opposed to uncommon ground when it comes to, you know, how we read the news? Yeah. Um, you know, can we love each other through these moments? Uh, and, and this kind of comes, I'm going to marry in my confession. Okay. Because when it comes, you make fun of me from time to time because I'm uh, stupid enough from the pulpit to say I agree that love is love. Yeah, yeah. I I agree, love is love. Um, But you have to define love first. (laughs) Once you define love, then yeah, I'll agree. Absolutely, love is love, and love is defined from God. And so, what we see from His character and what we see from His actions, what we see how He deals with humanity, is the highest and most pure form of love. And we, our goal should be to emulate it. Now, Christ comes into a world full of enemies, and he engages in them, and he loves them, right? And so that should be also our goal. Here's part of my confession as a pastor. I don't fully know how to do that. Hmm. I'm not good at doing that. Um, I'm trying to be good at doing that. So for instance, people that believe absolutely strongly differently than me, um, who might believe that love can be, you know, love can be defined on your feelings and not on objective truth, as we were talking about before. I am still working out in my life, how do I accept those people while yet not approving of those people? Sure. Because yeah. acceptance and approval is different. How do you do that? I don't know. But somehow you do it with love. And I'm still trying to figure out how to love people in that way that believe completely different than me. Uh, excuse me. I'm still trying to figure out how to accept them yet not approve of their stance and of their beliefs, whatever it may be. So to the people out there that I may be don't agree with or you don't agree with me i'm trying to love you and uh, please give me grace and forgiveness as i flub my way through it yeah i to me when i look at this passage anytime you come face to face 
with the love of God and the fact that God universally came for all people, that pretty much levels the playing field. Mm-hmm. That we recognize that the only reason I'm I have the standing I have with God is because he came to pursue me just like he came to pursue everyone else. And mm-hmm. so I don't get to take credit for any of this. I don't get to take credit for the the hope, the joy, the peace, the love that I have in my life. And as such, I don't get to go and then start to look at other people and judge them by if they have a lack of that yep. to then go... Or if, if they just, you know, I can then give your life a set of value because you live differently than me. I, can I quote another song? Please. One of my favorites that the choir here used to sing, Were It Not For Grace, I Could Tell yeah. You Where I'd Be. Wandering down some pointless road to nowhere with my salvation up to me, I know how that would go. I, the battles that I would face forever running but losing the race, were it not for grace. That's the only thing that separates us from them. And as a result. The grace of God. You then have to treat other people with the same love, or at least try to, with the same love that God has extended to you. Did you have something you want to say? You just looked very much like you wanted to say something. He wanted to sing that song. Oh, you want to sing it? Sing it. Were I, it not for grace, I you, you guys have to remember. I, I might have grown up in this church, <laughs> yeah. but, but I don't I have, listen I to any of it. Not a Baptist. <laughs> <laughs> Um, are, are are we in confession? Is that is that where we're at now? Are yeah, we... we can move into that. Okay. Yeah, because he did his, and mine's going to kind of piggyback off that. So go ahead. Yeah. I, Tell so, me your sins, my son. I, honestly, love is a very hard emotion for me as mm. well. Mm. Um, I I think I don't know. For me, it's especially as we've kind of like come out of this very hard political climate, and like a lot of things just frustrate and aggravate me i i find myself just struggling to to display love to uh not the non-believer but the the christian that i feel is impacting my witness with that non-believer hmm. um like I, we've talked about this in our college sure. group group uh a few weeks for a few weeks by this point but did just, you just call it a youth group no i said college group like three times oh, i thought you said college youth group no i said um, college 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 group because i stammered okay. play the tape back yeah but um I don't. I just. I just hate how, how, how irrationally hateful I can be, and like <laughs> I, I acknowledge that I, I should not be here, and I need to move on from this, or I need to find a way to, to reconcile it. But mm-hmm. it's just like, I, I, it's a real struggle for me to to show love to people. Like, like when we talk about this Jericho march, mm-hmm. um, I didn't sure. say anything because I, I wasn't sure if I'd be able to get through it without getting like irrationally angry. Um, so that's my confession is I need to, I need to work on showing love to, to my fellow Christian. Hmm. Can I, can I push you on that a little bit? Sure. How are you doing that? Is there like, I'm not, I'm not trying to make you, I'm not trying to put you on the spot because I think that's something that a lot of people are dealing with. I think as we have gone through the outrage series, we've seen a lot of people who basically said, I will love you provided you agree with me. And so is there something that you are doing or is there some help you can give other people to be like, this is a way that you challenge that in yourself? So we talked about a little bit last week. Um, Tim was gone by this point. This was, this was after the recording, but um, I posed the question and I think it'd make for a really great podcast episode at some point in the future is 
there is but one way to God and salvation. That's through Jesus. Hmm. Is there more than one way to Jesus? And like, that's a very broad question. And I'm sure like people listening to this probably have like a completely different idea than, than what I'm talking about. But is there more one way, more than one way to be a Christian and to be G, to, to, to find your way to Jesus and to find your way to salvation? And I think if we can try to figure out, um, you know, like the, the core tenets, mm-hmm. um, we, we all know that like there's only one way to God, it's through Jesus. If we can try to figure out where things are acceptable to be wiggled around, like on how we do communion or like a bunch of other things. So sure. like the churches, there, there are a million denominations for a reason. Sure. If we can find the things that we, we, we should not and cannot back down on, mm-hmm. I, I think it makes it easier to to be able to like put your foot down and say, no, this is wrong. And once you get to that point, it's easier to to reconcile like I'm doing this because I have already thought through that this is wrong. And yeah. I know that this is wrong rather than this feels wrong to me. Yeah. You unite on the non-negotiables and then you give grace and charity when it comes to the stuff that is secondary and that can be can 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 be argued about. Yeah, you have to separate the emotion right. from from the act. And I think and and I think my challenge to you and to me and all of us would be uh, especially when we're 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 you know we've already had a little bit of emotion myself included about talking about some of this Jericho march stuff and politics that we've had over the last months. Um we need to uh, we on one side of an issue, you on another side of an issue, you on another side and those who don't like what we say on the podcast whatever it may be. We need to all agree that it th- this is not what these are not the essentials that we unite on yeah (laughs) this is not the essentials that we unite on um what we do unite on is that christ is the only savior and he is the only hope and no man um and so we need to all uh agree to that and then we can start to talk about okay how is that then fleshed out Mm -hmm. and then how does your actions how do my actions how do everyone how do all of our actions actually show that because then we can actually start to hopefully iron sharpen iron and say, well, have you taken a look at this? Have you taken a look at how when someone stands on a stage and says X, Y, and Z, it doesn't show that hope is only found in Christ and Christ alone. Okay. Well, let's talk about that. And and then for me, that's hopefully a way that I might be able to accept yet not approve and work through some of the secondary issues. Yeah. No, I appreciate you sharing that. I think is, you know, we've talked that if we do see, everyone as worthy of dignity and God's love, then we have to not just extend that to people who are other people's enemies and say, you need to love people this way, but it's Mm -hmm. to look at people who we disagree with and go, that person is still worthy of dignity, made in God's image, and God sent Jesus because he loves them enough uh, to... To, to come and try to redeem them as well, and it's and I know it's it's a it's a tough it's a tough thing to do um, to show love to your enemies. Jesus did it first. Um, my confession is this: so I can look at that scripture and I can go, yes, everyone is worthy of God's love. Uh, big believer in that. Um, that you know, and, and I think we can often say that that oh yeah, Jesus loves everybody. Where I struggle with that, um, and this is going to be kind of a lame confession, I struggle with that in terms of God's love for me. Like I can look at other people and stand on stage, tell people, God loves you. God loves you. God loves that person. God loves that person. But in my own personal life, I just feel like most of the time God is irritated or angry with me. And, and then I go, 
I'm probably not worthy of his love because I know who I am. I know that I can really blow it. Um, I'm inconsistent. I'm not, I'm, I can be unfaithful in this way. I can do this, this. So God probably doesn't love me to the degree that he loves other people. Um, and, and, and to say, and I brought that on myself because of things that I have done. Not that God is just being, you know, like, okay, you get some and you get a lot. And Jeff, you get just a little bit over here. It's that I've done things that just make me go, well, he probably doesn't love me as much as he loves other people. And in doing that, I make God's love small and I make it impotent as we've talked yeah. about. I've talked I, that, a, that a God who can love everybody else, but he probably has issues with me. Yeah. I, I mean, I would say, obviously, there's, you know, my pastoral response to that would be that is a good self-awareness. Um, but I would also say I would grieve and be more worried for the person who felt that they deserved God's favor than the one who was actually self-aware enough of their sin. Like Paul says, I'm the chiefest of sinners. Sure. Uh, I think you're closer to understanding what grace is when you understand your sinfulness than the other way around. Many, too many who are who have been believers for a long time um, start to kind of lean towards I deserve this. Sure. Um, you know, and and I've got it made, and and you know, God is for me, which He is, and so that means God is against everybody else because He's for me. I... There's there's it is there's an unhealthy balance on both sides. Sure. That that you can say, you know what, I you know I deserve God's love. God loves me, hooray! And then on the other side, it's God, you know, probably doesn't love me as much. And in both instances, we are misunderstanding God's love, and we are robbing of it its power. Either I don't deserve it, and God gives it freely, yay. Or, you know, the other side of it is, and either way, it comes down to... No, I agree. I just God think it's more dangerous. The, sure. I, I think it's more dangerous on the side of pride as opposed to sure. the side like Isaiah. I am a man of unclean lips living on, amongst the people of unclean lips. Sure. You know? But if you stay there, it, it is it, it is just as, as... Yeah. And so that that to me is having to, to believe what God has said um, and, and do that. So if you ever feel like, man, God loves everybody else and he kind of is irritated with me... Um, I would love to tell you that's not true. Uh, and then if you could just send me an email at good Christian pod, anybody from council bluffs and say, Jeff, that's true for you too. Uh, I would appreciate it. Council bluffs really counting on you here. CB. Anybody got any, uh, good Christian people? I got one. You got one, Josie? Uh, yeah, I've got a few, a few. I Look took at you. I took notes. I'll yield the what? floor. Yeah, I'll yield the go floor. for it, man. Um, so in showing love and, and kind of an understanding and, and, and then also the callback, um, cause I pulled these, a lot of these from the research I was doing to talk about the, the Jericho stuff that I never did. Um, <laughs> I want to call out specifically people like, um, Jeff Thorngate, pastor at life bridge in Milwaukee. Um, I want to call out, uh, got to keep looking. Um, Jeb Barr first, uh, pastor of first Baptist church in Waco, Texas. And then that's Waco. 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 Okay. Yeah, we just lost our one listener in Texas. Yeah. So I, that, that proves your, your age because you don't remember the wacko from Waco to David Koresh out there. So. Okay. And then uh, Jared Stacy, who's a college pastor at Spotswood Baptist in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Um, these three guys were quoted in an article I was reading about Christian gullibility. Hmm. Um, and I think they had a, a very spot on um, thought process for how they were addressing 
what they perceived gullibility in, in their congregations and, and, and how their hearts kind of cried out for the damage it was doing, not necessarily to the Christian reputation now, but the Christian reputation in the future. Hmm. Um, so it's not, they aren't necessarily, I mean, I'm sure they're great examples of love, but I think they're good examples of, of something else we've talked about today. Sure. So I want to do the best I can to try to combine the two major things we've talked about today. Um, in terms of Christians standing up and and really trying to seek truth and to uh, push back against this kind of Jericho march and this idea of Christian nationalism and, and idolatry of elevating one person in this in this regard, um, as well as love. And that person, so it comes from the. I mean, it shouldn't come from this, but uh, I have thoroughly. I think I've mentioned this on the podcast. Thoroughly enjoyed Beth Moore on Twitter, and yesterday. She did something that I thought was just absolutely wild. Did she stay in her lane? No, she didn't. <laughs> Good for her. Oh man, no, she didn't. She uh, she came out and basically did something that I thought was very risky for her on a number of levels. She called out uh, this idea of Trumpism, Christians just really embracing uh, wholeheartedly this idea of of you know everything that we talked about already. Um, and she was not rude about it, but she was very much a, we need to come back to Jesus, elevate him. We need to listen to truth. We, you know, you can go back and look up what she said on Twitter. And it was, it was so encouraging for a number of reasons. One, because of her position, I think it's very easy. It would be very easy for her to just be quiet. Um, and, and, and not challenge kind of her position and, her success, uh, because anytime a Christian pastor gets up and pushes back against something where evangelicalism largely is right now, uh, that's not going to be met well. And and she was willing to stand up and call the church back. And then, if you ever want to just get mad, um, just go follow her on Twitter or I guess search and hear the things that uh, people say about her. Um, I've never sat through one of her, you know, Bible studies, um, so I couldn't begin to tell you how she is as a as a teacher. I've heard people say good things, but my experience is is I don't have any experience with that. However, she is kind of a lightning rod. Uh, anytime she does not stay in her lane, uh, there are a number of men uh, that I would consider very small men who like to just go after her. Uh, and they did. I mean, they went after her yesterday in a in a big way. Um, and what she did just took a lot of courage. Uh, and she was and and in, in the the I mean, just men sitting here going, "You're not in your lane. Sit down." Yeah. I mean, the amount of times this lady gets told sit down, um, and and she still responds in grace. She still loves people, even though they are they have made themselves her enemies and the the how gross they have been to her. Uh, and so I just, I really took a lot of encouragement in that yesterday and just, just thoroughly enjoyed that. I know she's probably not going to hear this, but, um, <laughs> if you want to, if you want a good person to follow on that Twitter, yep. uh, that would be, that would be good. Yeah. She's good to follow. Let me, let me give one last clarification and people, you know, if they're mad, they're not listening now, but I feel yeah. like I, it's necessary. So we talked about Trumpism, right? And I, and I mentioned to you. Earlier, this observation that people take Trump's word 100% truth, and this is kind of a 
a culture that he has set up. So to my Christian brothers and sisters, if you want Trump to be president for four more years, okay, that's fine. If you want to vote for Trump, okay, that's fine. I'm not here to tell you what you should want for the person in the Oval Office. What I am here to tell you is that if the scripture can uphold a people called the Bereans in the letter to the, the Acts of the Apostles, if the scripture can uphold and give them as a an example to all believers to actually listen to what the apostles were preaching and to then search the scriptures to find out if it was true, if the scripture can say, question the apostles and hold it up to scripture, question your pastor and hold it up to scripture, yeah. then I beg of you, question, listen to your president and question him and then hold him up to scripture. Yeah, and just again, to clarify, because um, nobody's listening at this point. How did we go the longest episode we've gone? At, like, I don't even understand it. We, this is like this I'll small, tell you off air. Yeah. <laughs> the shortest amount of, of show notes. Um, anyway, yeah, we're, we're not saying Trumpism is not hoping Trump is your president. That's not Trumpism. Trumpism is the idea of I'm going to uh, forsake everything else and just give him full allegiance uh, and listen to everything that's said without questioning uh, and, and kind of having that. So we're just going to be clear on that. Guys, thank you so much for hanging with us through this incredibly long episode. Uh, if you are not already following us on Facebook or Twitter, Instagram, do so, GCP Pod. And again, we would love for you to email us at goodchristianpod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Council Bluffs, we need to hear from you. Guys, we hope you have an amazing Christmas. Next week, we are going to send out 2020 in style. We're going to take a look at the year behind us and everything that's happened. And with hope and resolve, we're going to look to the year that God has in store for us. Until then, go love your neighbor and be good. Listening to Good Christian People, the podcast. Today's episode was recorded on Monday, December 14th, 2020, by Jeff Higgins and Tim Byer, two pastors living in beautiful Glen Burnie, Maryland. If you'd like to find more of our content, please check us out online at goodchristianpod.com or by following us on Twitter at, at GCPPod. This one may not go as long. I I don't know. Maybe it'll go longer, but I don't feel like it's going to go as long.